Just go ahead, give him a hand clap. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. You're our Lord. You're our God. You're our purpose. Hallelujah. Well, I am glad to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, we can go ahead. Well, hey, don't forget this coming Saturday. Is it still time to be able to grab any more tickets? Uh, this coming Saturday evening. What time is it at? Six o'clock. Um, we are going to have a spaghetti dinner for raising funds for Bible quizzing. So if you'd like to attend that, go see one of the children, go see my wife, go see myself, and we would be happy to get um, to have you purchase a ticket. They are ten dollars. Ten dollars a ticket. But the children at this time can be dismissed to the back. And youth may go, because I know they'd like to escape me. All of our ladies, we have our ladies meeting back here, and they are going through women in the Bible. And they have been covering some interesting topics. The rest of you may be seated. <laughs> On some of their topics, I found some of it quite, quite interesting. And uh, it makes me feel like I'm a better man. Um, one of theirs is, uh, uh, before we launch into our scripture, but one of their topics, um, they were talking about Sarah. And, you know, Sarah, they went down, Sarah and Abraham, they went down to Egypt. And they're in Egypt, and you guys remember the story here. Um, Abraham was a little bit nervous that he'd get taken out for his wife. So he had said, tell him you're my sister. And Pharaoh takes her and drops him in with all his harem of all his other ladies and gives money and riches to Abraham. Well, I read that story, but I didn't think so much about it. So after she taught that lesson, I went and looked it up myself as well. He basically sold his wife. Sold his wife. The family would get paid money and gifts and and. In turn, I'm marrying this lady just like any other, quote, purchase. Like when uh, Isaac got a wife and the servant went and, and gave wealth to the family and decked her out in wealth. It was a, a payment. So he's sitting outside the camp there enjoying all his money <laughs> that he got paid for for his wife. Now, that doesn't make Abraham look very good, does it? <laughs> I didn't think so. And uh, I just never had quite seen it that way before. I don't know if the rest of you had seen that. If you look at the footnote of your Apostolic Study Bible, it also has it there, but you can find it in many other sources as well. Um, but tonight, I would like to turn to the book of Luke, and I just moved this around for no reason at all. Um, but we're going to turn to the book of Luke. And this month, we've been focusing on prayer, and we've been looking at some prayers, and um, we've been delving into the book of Psalms, and we delved into the book of Daniel, and then back to the book of Psalms, and now we are going to go to the book of Luke. And I believe next week where Bishop is actually going to speak to us. Um, God gave him a word. But, so let's turn to the book of Luke. And um, I got a few verses here, but we can go over to Luke chapter, we'll go Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. That'll be our main place of focus tonight. And my bookmark works out here well. But Luke chapter 18, and verse 1 it says, And he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was, a there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her, her continual coming she weary me. Jesus, I ask you to talk to us tonight. God, bring revelation into our heart. God, bring understanding. and God, that we would grow in you and engage you in prayer and, and, and make prayer a greater part of our life and be richer in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen prayer. I was talking a little bit to our quizzers about prayer tonight um, when we were opening up in the book of Proverbs and referencing some of what we'll talk here about. But prayer, I said, I said I almost don't even like the word prayer. I don't know if they fully understood that. Jesus used the word prayer, so why could I not like a word that 
translated into English he used. But it seems to me when I say the word prayer, at least just me, I think I've got some sort of special uh, sacred act, which prayer is sacred. But if, some, if you're sitting down, I use this example to them, and I feel almost terrible even saying it, but if you were sitting down and you had arranged to watch a movie and you've been excited about this movie and someone called up and said, hey, I thought we would have a prayer meeting. A number of you and might be like, but I'm doing my thing and now they want to have this special get-together to pray. You know, because you don't view it as Oh, hey, hold on a second. Before we kick that movie off, my great friend is calling me, and I'm anxious to hear their phone call. But how many of you have had a friend come into town or, or had that phone call, and, and, and you're like, oh, wait, this one person. Now, you like a lot of people out there, and you have a lot of friends. I'm not saying that you love them other, the other ones less, but this one holds a certain kind of value in your life that you get excited when you see the phone ring. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, and ladies, you know what I'm talking about, when you were all set to marry the one, and you would get that phone call. My sister, we used to have the phones that hung on the wall. We don't have youth in here tonight, so Connor, you know what it's like to have a phone on the wall? Okay, good. We're good. Um, and uh, uh, by the way, okay, segue over, my daughter had a friend send her a camera that uses film for her birthday. <laughs> we said, do you know what film is? She said, No. Like, oh man. But my sister, we used to have the phone that hung on the wall. And I could go down in the basement and I could dial the our house number, hang up, and it would ring back in. Joey, do you know what I'm talking about? And so I loved to make the phone ring. And she would be in her room waiting for the call. The call from the man that would sweep her off her feet. And so I would go down to the, the basement and I would dial the number and then I would hear through the house and she would grab the phone and she would say, hello. And then she would scream, Lucas! <laughs> Why? Because she wanted to hear him. She was excited. She was anticipating. I, I just get to have his voice and I get to talk and, and everything else was fading away because she was in love. And that is what prayer is about, is the Creator, our God. He's, he's not just the Creator. Yes, that's awesome, that's great. But He's interested in us. He cares about us. He connects with, with us in ways that nobody else possibly can. He brings life into us that you can't get anywhere else. We have a relationship. This is the reason we live. We had no purpose until God came into our life. You say, well, I had purposes. Yeah, but if you thought them all the way to the end, you're like, what's the point? Why am I doing this? We're kind of like the, the, the Coleth, Coleth the, the, the man in Ecclesiastes, the, where, he's like, where he's like, what's the point? Why do I do this? And what am I doing this for? And he asks the questions and vanity, emptiness, emptiness, worthlessness. That word vanity is like a vapor, just kind of, it's going to be gone, it's empty. You know, he asks the questions, what's life? And when he gets all down to the end, it's about God. It's about living for God. And he's the one that's brought us purpose. We, we look for maybe refined purposes of what we do day in and day out. But at the end of everything, when you're getting caught up on your job or your hobby or whatever your situation is, sometimes you just need to recalibrate, swing things back together, and just get a focus on I'm doing this because I serve God. I live for God. So we were talking in youth tonight about these things and, and, and prayer and, and that I don't like that word because I want us to really see this as communication. So I had taken a trip back through the book of Luke. Luke and Acts. And I went down through every chapter and I'm not saying I captured everything. It wasn't, I didn't spend a lot of hours at it. But I went down through every chapter and I was interested to see when Luke highlighted prayer. Often it was with the word prayer, but I wanted to see the moments and the situations. Um, because Luke and his style of writing in Luke and Acts is he would be highlighting a principle or something that would happen. And that would then carry on and you could begin to understand if you've seen it highlighted that this matters, this, this thing matters. One example would be 
um, on the day of Pentecost, and uh, Brother Keith, I think I told you about this, but on the day of Pentecost, what happened when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, so we have a loud noise, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were setting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And it goes through the list. And, and they were amazed because they heard them speak in their own language in which they were born. And it goes on in and, and their language and their language. Well, why is he doing that? Because I told Keith, I'd have been like, wow, look at that fire. <laughs> but Luke, it's not saying that somebody didn't say, well, look at that fire. Or did you hear the loud noise? But Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is using a writing style where I've emphasized tongues. Tongues, he even calls the fire cloven tongues, and it's translated that way, and, and language, language, language. So now all these people are standing there, and they're like, look at all these people. These guys are speaking in our own language. What is this language thing? And he highlights it so much that in that writing style, when Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, they know it's supposed to look like that. And you as the reader know that they, the 3,000, when it says was added to the church, that means they repented, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, and that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. And once you understand that, you're like, why would anybody ever deny this? And somebody who would study that stuff would say, I agree, it has to be true. Um, but when you, so when you look at that, you can actually take that story and we'll, we'll flip it back a little further. This is, this is fun, I think, anyways. Um, Jesus, when he was baptized, and we're going to hit that just a little bit here, but what did he do? Well, when we read that passage, he was baptized, and then he prayed. Now, most likely he prayed in the water, but he could have prayed on land, but Jesus prayed. And when he prayed, the heavens, and the heavens you heard a voice from heaven, it was God speaking and you had a divine voice speak from heaven. And then you saw the Holy Spirit make a visitation. Now this isn't no Trinitarian doctrine here. What was showing up here is that we see that we have a visitation of the Spirit when somebody gets filled with the Spirit of God. And we see that we will have a divine voice. And we see that there's prayer and there's water. And all of that was a pattern for us in the, New Test or in the book of Acts because we began to speak with another language or we had divine voice as we were filled with the Spirit and were baptized in the name of Jesus and it all happens when we pray. And so Jesus and His actions was demonstrating and foreshadowing this is what it's going to be like for you when I fill you with my Spirit. Hallelujah. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord? And so as we look through the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1 verse 10, you'll see that Zacharias was in the holy place and he was going to burn incense. And the people were without their praying. They were anxious for their prayers to be heard. And when he didn't come out of the holy place, they were wondering, wait a second, what's going on? Did something not go right? Because if it didn't go right for him when he's offering up incense, and incense is worship or like prayer... Our prayers are not going to get answered. And so the book of Luke chapter 1 opens up with this, this great story that's going to unfold about Jesus coming and the birth of Jesus. And the first story it tells us is also about a miraculous birth and it's John. And it begins in a house of worship with prayer. Prayer is significant. And then we have Jesus in Luke chapter um, chapter 3, and, and we see in verse 21, I was just referencing that, but when he was baptized, he prayed. He prayed, and it was in prayer that we heard God speak. It was in prayer that they could see the Spirit descend like a dove. And it was, it's in that pattern of prayer. And out of that prayer, we see in Luke chapter 4, that he was immediately driven into the wilderness for 40 days, where he fasted. And we can understand that when you go in alone like that, that he went there to connect. And in the man Jesus Christ, didn't spend, he didn't spend 40 days in the wilderness tossing rocks, but he was praying. 
he was getting that flesh under subjection. Prayer. And he was put in the wilderness because of the Spirit. God put the man, Jesus Christ, into the wilderness. Now, Jesus told us, pray that he lead me not into temptation, right? I don't really want to have to go through some things. But sometimes God's going to say, hey, you need to go through this thing. I need you to go through a wilderness moment. I'm going to take you someplace, and you're going to go through, through a little dry period here. Jesus might have thought, you know, and at least I would have thought, wow, didn't you see this? In front of everybody, they thought I was just a man. But we had a divine voice speak from heaven and declare exactly who I am. And so my ministry's kicking off. And so the first thing I do in my ministry is go get alone, get tempted by the devil, and don't eat. Is that how you would kick things off? Is be driven away from the very people and who you'd been revealed in front of? But sometimes as God's growing you, and especially in ministry, he's going to need some time alone with you where he works you over and he changes you. And when you look back, you'll say that was a changing moment. That's where I was shaped. But you had to go through some hard times. You had to go through a wilderness place. And Jesus went there after his first, you could say, a prayer meeting in the water. And then he had to have a place of prayer. And when he came out, things begin to happen. Things begin to happen. I noticed as I went through here, and, and we could do this as a study, but you don't see Jesus praying when he casts out devils. You don't even see that in the New Testament. Why? Because prayer occurs and you get full of the Spirit. And then when you face some situations, you're like the Apostle Paul walking along. And you finally become annoyed by the devil kind of coming at things. And you're like, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody needs to just do that in their life. and You need to go ahead... Just get yourself in relationship with God. And now understand that just because you've been in church and you've been praying away doesn't mean that the devil's not going to come and tap you on the shoulder and try to visit with you. You can see that in the Old Testament when he showed up in the holy place. And, and he showed up and the angel of the Lord or God showed up and there was a word that went forth. But the devil, he tried to get into the middle of worship there. He's in the book of Zechariah. And, and so... He, he's going to show up. But you don't have to listen to him. You can say, get behind me, Satan. Get out of here, devil. Mm. Hallelujah. Because you're getting into a place of prayer and you're getting filled up with God. And so, we have Jesus in the wilderness. Luke chapter 4, verses, well, verse 38, we see that he rebuked the fever and he rebuked the de demons here. And when you see this, you don't see that he had to pray. But he comes out of the wilderness in prayer. And then he's able to go and do the work of the Lord. He's able to go do the work that he's called to do. But then we see in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So, so he himself often withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. I noticed even before this, he went into the wilderness and the crowds followed him. And every time I read that passage, I think, man, Jesus was trying to find a place to pray. Can you see it? You know, you're there and you're struggling and you've been working. And I'm telling you, sometimes you're just like, hey, you know, I just need to get alone with God. Has anybody ever felt that? I just need to get alone. You know, it's, it's been rough and it's been tough and, and yet... Yet something else comes in and it demands your attention. This is what happened to Jesus. And you see him withdrawal into the wilderness and, and the crowds come. And he's like, okay, all right, all right. We have a little bit more to do here. But I could just stand just to get away. I need to pray. And so he withdrew himself often or often withdrew himself in the wilderness to pray. The Jewish person would rise up in the morning and they would pray in the morning and they would pray at the time of morning sacrifice, and they would pray at the time of evening sacrifice. They'd, they'd pray at lunch. They'd pray at least three times a day. They would recite psalms from the Old Testament, and they'd recite some of these prayers. Now, when they did this, they were intended to not just be reciting something, but they were intended to be connecting with God. Jesus participated in some of those things. We see Him sing the psalms at the Passover. But we find in Him that he would have to pull himself away from everyone and say, now, in my world, it would be the kids have gone to bed. 
everything settled down for the evening. You know what? We need to go pray. I, I could go to bed tonight, but I need to go find a place to pray. Brother Keith, I don't think we're too heavily picking on you, but sometimes I think we've all seen as we've filtered out of church, you've buzzed by and come back in here. Why? Because you said there needs to be some prayer that goes on tonight. Other ones of you have said, hey, I need to stay at the altar longer tonight. Oh, church, don't deny that moment. Or when you're in a situation and you feel God compelling you, you, you may, maybe you're having to do something right then. Maybe you're putting supper on the table or you're, you're in the middle of working and you just can't just, you, you got to keep doing what you're doing. But be like, man, the master's calling. He, he's right there. I, I, I got to go find a place. And you get alone with him. And those are just, I, I like to call them real prayers. Because you just get straight up honest with God. And God gets honest with you. And Jesus in his humanity would often pull himself away. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, He went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. And then you know what he did all night there? I said he said that. I wrote it in my notes and I think I paraphrased it a little bit. But he continued all night in prayer. After he continued all night in prayer, he went out and chose his 12 disciples. And not long after that, you see, he sent out 70. What was God and his humanity doing? He said, we have a big decision to make here. And so we have some things to highlight. We have when this great miraculous thing kicked off that Jesus was going to come to earth in humanity, there was first revealed what was going to, that John was going to be born at a place of prayer. We see that Jesus, by his example, when baptized and a visitation of the Spirit occurred, there was prayer. And we see that when he was going to go ahead and kick off his ministry, he had to go into a special wilderness experience. There's prayer. And now we see that there's going to be something happening that's a critical, decisive moment to make. Twelve disciples are going to be picked to be the apostles. And so there is prayer. Big decisions in your life, it may not look big to everyone else, but you need to make it a place of prayer. I will testify for myself that I, I'm going to get married. God, is this the one? It is the one, God. It is the one. It is the one, God. Um, you know, I knew, I was in my heart, this is right, but I went to God. It didn't mean I was the perfect person. It didn't mean I didn't make mistakes or do things wrong. It didn't mean that I didn't even sin. But I knew to say, I've got a moment here, and I, this is a life-changing moment. I need to go to God. College. Oh, my goodness. I made Thursday nights. That's the night I go to the church. My pastor would often meet me, and we would pray. And I would come, and I'd say, God, what should I be doing? Should I go to college? Where should I go? And the next week, I was doing the same thing. I was doing the same thing. I'd seek God and talk to him about it. It matters. I needed his hand on my life, and I needed direction. I needed to know, God, how can I know what it is you want me to do? Prayer, key moments, big moments. We see Luke chapter 9, verse 18, that he was praying and his disciples came. And then he asked them a question about who do people say that I am? Now Luke doesn't record this part of it, but if you look in the book of Matthew, you'll see it recorded that that's when he told Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church. That conversation moment, while Luke doesn't even highlight it for us, other than to say he prayed, and then he asked him about his identity. In that identity-revealing moment, that identity-revealing moment of who Jesus really was, Almighty God, robed in flesh, occurred right after prayer. Revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ came out of a place where somebody prayed, in this case, the man Jesus Christ and his disciples came to the master, the one whom we pray to, God robed in flesh, Jesus Christ, our Savior. They came to him in that place of prayer, and that's when revelation occurred. And so Jesus asked that question. Right after that, in chapter 9, transfiguration or revelation occurred when he was shining in all his glory. But why did they go to the mountain and it was to pray. 
And when they went to the mountain, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus for a special prayer meeting, there was transfiguration. There was revelation. It occurred out of prayer. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. When the 70 returned and they said, hey, look what happened. Even the devils are subject to us. Jesus got full of joy and he danced he rejoiced if you look at that it's to like to dance in a circle that rejoice he got excited he was demonstrative as he cried out and prayed he rejoiced prayer prayer I could go on I'm gonna have to be careful here um, maybe I'll shorten it up when I hit the book of Acts here uh, chapter 11 of Luke we'll come back to here in a little bit but he was in a certain place praying when the disciples received the Lord's Prayer. And he talked to them about how to pray. Luke chapter 18, we touched on that. And we're going to go back there. Luke chapter 22, right before the cross, he didn't just pray. He prayed great drops of blood. And you know, sometimes we like to think, well, prayer must be magic. I don't like to say that word across the pulpit, but we think magic. Reminds me of my wife when she was talking about our last quiz tournament and we talked about the Word of God and that first thing, the first key was the, these cards, these verse cards aren't magic. You have to study them. You have to enjoy them. You have to look into them. You have to put them in your life for them to change you. You don't just, wow, I read the Bible, so therefore it's going to happen. That's prayer. God is not a soda machine that you put a quarter in and the pop comes out. He's someplace you go that you connect with him in relationship and he gets your thinking right. And sometimes he has to tell you, I know, I know, Joey, I know you wanted it to work out this way, but it can't happen like that. We gotta go this way with it. And when he tells that to us and he redirects our life, we have two things that happen. One, we received um, confidence that he's in uh, the middle of the situation and we received strength because we were in his presence to be able to go through the situation. So I want to go to prayer. Not because I think, well, why didn't you give me what I wanted? I cried out really hard. You know, sometimes, I'm saying you know a lot tonight, but sometimes we think, oh, wow, I'm now in a problem. Therefore, I'm going to pray. Wish I'd been praying for a long time. Well, you went to prayer in your bad, rough moment because you now thought, well, I'll get things right with God and he'll fix the problem that I'm in. You know, we should have been praying a long time before. But prayer isn't the thing where you're like, okay, so if I pray, I punch the right button. If I pray, I pay God off. No. And just because you hadn't prayed a long time before that, go ahead and go to God. Because you weren't paying Him off by praying all those other times. You're now finding, okay, you know what? Life happened. Things are wrong, and some of my decisions got me into trouble, but I'm going to go ahead and connect with Jesus. I may have to go through some trouble because of the consequences, but I'm now going to be in relationship with him, and he's going to be with me in the problem. I'm thinking right now of a gentleman who, who hadn't been connected with God. He went through trouble. He ended up in prison, and that's when God filled him with his spirit. Yeah, he still has to be in prison. But you know what? He's got Jesus with him. Because Jesus says, okay, you know what? There's some trouble here. You're going to have to go through it. But I'm going through it with you. I'm so thankful God goes through our trouble with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so he prayed in the garden. Great drops of blood came out. Why? Not my will but your will be done. Not the will that humanity would make the decision with, but oh God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? And that, other than when He was on the cross, and Jesus cried out on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is His last words that we read in the book of Luke. From there on, Jesus... He now goes back to his, he's no longer in his humanity anymore. But we get to see how did the church put into action what Jesus taught. And when we see in the book of Acts, also written by Luke, Luke continues his story and his narrative, and, and we see in Acts chapter 1 that they first went there and they were waiting for the promise of the Spirit. 
But they went to make a big decision about the 12, like Jesus made a big decision. We need to replace Judas. And so they prayed. And then they picked somebody. They were in that place in one accord and in prayer when the Holy Spirit fell. That's why we have to pray. There's one thing we talk about. You repent and you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's, one of those, it's like we got a little prescription out. And somebody's at the altar and we're like, oh, card one, repent. Card two, take you to the water. Card three. Well, it's really not like that, okay? We're connecting with God in relationship and this is a birthing process. But the thing that has to happen is you have to pray. We see it in the examples you don't get to talk in another language unless you're saying words. Anytime you see that somebody was filled with the Holy Spirit, it, they were saying words. How did they know they were speaking in tongues? I love the, I'm Captain Obvious. It's the only things that I can say. <laughs> because we heard them speak in another language. They were saying words. It's prayer. As you're praying, God comes into your life. So we see that in the, the book of Acts and and then we see as um, the 3,000 are filled, we know that they would have been praying because they received the Holy Ghost just like they did on the day of Pentecost. The, then we see that they continued, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they continued in prayer. Acts chapter 3 kicks off right after the church is born. Where is Peter and John going? To the temple to pray. Acts chapter 4, they had gone through because of a divine miracle and the man being raised up and them getting in trouble. We see a long prayer that I love so much that they come out of that and they pray and they rejoice and they ask for God to move and the place is shaken and it happened in prayer. We need to put prayer on the end of our events. When you go through something mighty with God or you go through trouble or you go through heartache, whatever it is, Get back with God in prayer and let Him refresh you and restore you. That's why we, I didn't say this, but when you seen Jesus go back to find a place to pray, He had just been in ministry. And it pulls something out of you. And you just need to get alone and let Him put... Parents, your children will pull something out of you. Your jobs, church, will pull something out of you. You brush with the world all the time. It gets on you. It sucks out of you. Oh, you need to just rejuvenate. You need to get filled back up. You need to go to the gas station. Or for anyone who owns an electric car, you need to get plugged in. So they prayed. They prayed. Acts chapter 5, verse 41. They were beaten and they came out and they rejoiced that they could suffer shame for His name. I see them saying, thank you Jesus here. Acts chapter 6, when they appointed the seven, one of those being Stephen. What did they say? Because we need to give ourselves continuously to prayer. Jesus went often into the mountain to pray. And what are the apostles saying here? We got to pray often. We gotta, there's a work that God's doing and we got to stay connected. We got to stay in tune. We got to stay plugged in. They, we need to give ourselves continuously to prayer. When Paul was struck down, he prayed. When Stephen, I didn't highlight him, but at the end there, when he was being stoned, he cried out to God. As his life ended, he was praying. Lay not this sin to their charge. Paul, we, how do we know he's praying? Because he said, who are you, Lord? That's communicating with God. Ananias, the man that baptized him, God spoke to him in a vision. Well, he was praying. He was connected with God. He was communicating. Peter when he went to go visit with Cornelius, first Cornelius was visited and he was told your alms and your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. Peter heard to go to Cornelius because he was on the rooftop praying. Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching and the Holy Spirit fell and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Why? How do we know that? Because they heard them speak with tongues. They were hearing the Word of God and they began to erupt in prayer and as they were, they were speaking in another language. They prayed. Prayer. When Peter was in prison, Acts chapter 12, there was a prayer meeting going on. <laughs> and Peter had no idea what was going on that night. <laughs> I'm in some sort of dream. Okay, we got angels in our dream. Wow, we're going out the gate. He has to get down the street there before he realizes... Wait, 
this is real? I mean, I'm really out of here? Prayer. He gets to the house. You know, and they, what's the one thing they didn't do? They're like, oh, his spirit must be here. His angel. His angel's here. God didn't really answer our prayer. We need to go back to praying. The answer's here. No, no, go away. I got to pray. I got to pray that God will move. Peter's knocking at the door. It's me. Let me in. And we see Acts chapter 13. They had a situation and they were kicked out. And it said they were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit as they shook the dust off their feet. They went through a moment. They were being kicked out of a town. We're done with this place. But they reconnected with God. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, what did they do at midnight? They prayed. Paul and Barnabas, they were in a meeting. They were, they were in a prayer meeting. They were seeking God. They were fasting. And out of that was the first missionary journey called out of a prayer meeting. We see that, that the men that were John's disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost. What were they doing when, Peter, when Paul preached to them? They had to pray. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Prayer is at every key moment. It's that key moment of revelation. It's that key moment of baptism. It's that key moment of sending on a journey. It's at a key moment when you need strength. It's at a key moment of deliverance. It's at a key moment that leads to the miraculous signs and wonders. It's what kicks things off. Prayer that you didn't, you didn't even know tomorrow you were going to face a situation. You didn't even know that you were going to go through trouble. You didn't even know that you needed to be filled up. You didn't know the car accident was going to happen when you were praying the night before. So you need to give yourselves to prayer because prayer is going to fill you up. It's going to keep you. It's going to protect you. It's going to carry you through. And so Jesus told us here, as we opened up in chapter 18, then he spoke a parable to the men that they always ought to pray. And here in the New King James, it says not lose heart. In the King James, it says not to faint. Jesus was telling them, you need to always pray. Prayer is more than reciting a psalm although I encourage you to go ahead and pray the Psalms. The Psalms invite you to enter in, not just to read Scripture, but they pull on you after you read it, and you say, oh, I want to go ahead and do this. I want to pray this. We talked about Psalms 51, 51 and what did he say? Creating me a clean heart. When I'm down and out, you know what that Scripture's made me want to do? I get down on my face and I say, creating me a clean heart, oh God. And Jesus is telling them that men ought always to pray. He, he's, 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 he had just come off talking about end times here. And I find it interesting that at the end of chapter 17, He's, he's telling about the terrible things that are going to happen. And then He says, okay, we need to have a little parable story time. I need to talk to you why men ought always to pray and not to faint. You, you need to pray. You need to... It, it's, I see two things there with always to pray. One is, I need to have prayer life all the time. But two is, Wes, did you pray about it? And you're like, oh, I knew he was going to tell me that. No, no. Did Terry, did you pray about it? You got a job interview. You ought to pray. Ah, the kids are getting ready to head off to school. You know what? You ought to pray about it. Dana, you ought to pray about them. Man, I wonder what's going on over there with the family. Isaac? Go ahead and pray about it. I, they get on my last nerve. Well, you know what? Talk, take that one to God. You're tired of that situation that will never end? Pray about it. Men ought always to pray. Wait, Connor, what, what are we going to do here about our situation? What are we going to do about the job? Well, you know what? We ought to pray about it. I think, I think it's a good idea. We, we need to pray. We need to pray. Matthew, I don't know about what all goes on on your job. But I know on mine, I'm like, you know what, I need to pray about this. And sometimes I'm working away, and I'm like, this is hard. I'm like, Jesus, I just really need your help right now. And I just want him to go, boom, and it's all taken care of. But clarity of mind will come. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or not to lose heart, to never give. 
And so he tells us this story, and it's about this woman who goes before a judge. Now, the judge was supposed to be a person, this is an unjust judge, but they were supposed to fear God. This judge did not fear God. And women weren't supposed to go before the judge. Not in that culture, not in that, that, that setting. They would have somebody that represent them, to represent them to go before the judge. A man would represent them. And yet this woman right here didn't just go once. She didn't just go twice. But she wearied him. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice from me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man. Oh, he's telling us here. Jesus is telling us that we ought to pray. This woman wasn't even allowed to go before the judge. They normally, I guess not allowed, but it really wasn't the practice. Somebody else would have represented her. Our God is saying, I want you to come and pray. I want you, Keith, I want you to come and pray. He's like, my door's wide open. I have an open door policy. There's not even a door there. I took it off the hinges. I want you to come in and pray. I want you to come visit with me. So I'm going to tell you a story about a lady who wasn't even supposed to be there. And she was with a man who didn't give any regard to God. So why should he fear her? And she's like, I'm not going to give any regard to you either. But I'm coming right in because I have a problem. Oh, so how much greater do we have it with God? Because if this widow or if this woman, if she's going to come in and she's like, uh-uh, excuse me, everyone, and she's going to shove by the line of people that's waiting there, and they're like, hey, hold on, i got a case on the docket. She's like, I need to talk to that man right there. Oh, I've got to get a hold of him. He needs to understand what I've got. And they're like, he told you to shut up last time. He kicked you out three weeks ago. And God is saying, look at her example. Put storm right in and say, we need to get an answer. I've got to have you move. Oh, he's trying to encourage us here. He's telling us. And so she persisted. She pushed on him. And so he says, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he really find faith on the earth? Jesus is asking this. When I come back, will there be somebody who persisted in prayer? I'm going to avenge speedily. Oh, you're saying it doesn't look like my clock here. It doesn't seem like it's happened yet. Oh, but look at her example. And will I find that somebody still trusted me? Would somebody still be there? I want to help you. I want, to, I want you to press through. Oh, I, I, I want to do this. But will I find faith? So Luke chapter 11, when he had been in a place of prayer, and his disciples came and, and asked him to teach him to pray, pray and, and he gave the I Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us day by day, I know it in the King James, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from e the evil one. After Jesus tells him this, and he gives, acknowledge God, worship here, ask his will to be done, forgive others, forgive us, for we also forgive everyone. He then tells another parable. Which of you shall have a friend, or another story says, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer within, a day, within and say, Do not trouble me, for the door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is, he is his friend, yet because of his persistence will he arise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives." And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. If a son asks for bread from, his, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 
If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask Him? Persistent. I, I, we're going to be closing here soon. But Jesus showed us to pray in every situation. He demonstrated it that prayer was present at all key moments in His life. He showed us that He prayed often. The disciples showed us that they prayed often. That it was present in every key moment of their lives. A connection with God. But in both cases, in the book of Luke, where Jesus taught about prayer, he taught about persistence in prayer. Persistent prayer. He didn't didn't teach one time about prayer in the book of Luke without talking about persistence. He talked about ask, seek, knock. So you need to not worry about, does God got this and why am I bothering to pray? Instead, you need to make up in your mind, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I guess he had one story in there. He talked um, following the story. Um, So immediately following Shall you find faith on the earth? He talks about the two men that went. The tax collector and the Pharisee. And they stood before in the temple and they prayed. And the one man was lifted up in himself, the Pharisee. And the tax collector couldn't even lift his head. And Jesus tells, you know, which one went home more justified. And then he says, he who humbles himself shall be exalted. And that story is connected in with the persistent and unjust. But he is drawing out another little characteristic there. You see, God knows exactly what you need. Jesus told us, I don't need your flowery words. I don't need a million explanations of what my title is. I got that. I just need you to put me where I belong. And I need you to come before me where you belong. And I want to connect with you. I've got an open door policy. And so if you will, just come in with honesty. See, prayer is honesty. Prayer is real. Prayer is treating God for who he is. How am I trying to say this? God wanted John. He he, he says, Daniel. He wanted to talk to Daniel and he talked to John. And he wanted to talk with them and converse. and, And they're in the presence of God. And yet he's like, I want to connect with you. I want him to stand up and connect and stand up like a man. And he was wanting to be in relationship. You could think of it. When he was on this earth, Jesus didn't have all of his glory shining. When he had all his glory shining on the Mount of Transfiguration, they're like, whoa, we need to make something special here. Instead, I see Jesus on the road to Emmaus. After he had risen again, and he's with those guys. And their hearts burned within them. And they ached for their Lord. And so God's like, you know, can I walk this with you? Wes, he wants to walk it with you. And he's talking with them. And they didn't know they were in prayer. And the God of glory, he says, what's the matter? And they're like, well, you don't know what the matter is? Well, then just tell me about it. That's prayer. That's going before God and you're walking. Yeah, he knows what your problem is, but tell me about it. And then let me show you. And so he's like, we begin to expound the scripture. It's right here. Oh, you didn't know this? How can you know this? And you didn't know what was going on? No, I knew what was going on. But I need you to release it to me. You can tell it to each other all day long, and that's good. But I need you to tell it to me. Because I have something to show you. And you're like, but I need to bring it again, because yesterday I thought, man, we're good, we're good, but now I'm wore out. Well, let's talk again. Oh, isn't that exciting sometimes? To be honest with you, my, my, my kids, they probably are like, Dad, we want to tell you this again. I'm like, I know, I know I'm a bit busy, but you already told that to me a little bit ago. I already know what you're going to tell me. I don't need you to tell me. God's not that way. He's like, yeah. Well, so what is it? Let's talk again today. Talk again today. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, God. All right, all right, all right, all right. I can encourage you today. Persistent in prayer. Because will I find faith on the earth? Oh, he knew that you were going to get discouraged. When he taught the Lord's Prayer. So he said, ask, seek, knock. 
He knew that, that you were going to get down. So he said, let me tell you a story here. You, where he's talking about the end times. And so he says, hold on a second. Well, now we went through that rough stuff. So let me tell you, don't give up in prayer. And when I come back, will I find somebody? Will I still find faith? The answer tonight, Lord Jesus, is you will find faith. Can we stand to our feet? You're going to find faith in this people, oh God. Oh, we may get down and out, but we're going to persist. Go ahead, let's just begin to talk to him for a moment. We're going to persist with you, God. We're not going to give up. Oh God, we're going to come before you in prayer. We're going to bring our humility. We're going to recognize who you are versus who we are. But God, we're not going to be so blown away by your glory that we won't receive your invitation to enter into your presence. Oh God, I want to talk to you. I want you to be in my waking moment. I want you to be with me in my joyful place. And I want you to be with me when I'm down and out. So I ask you tonight, God, walk with this people that's in this building and who's ever online and whoever just couldn't make it at all here tonight and they don't even know what I'm preaching. I ask you to walk with them like you walked on that road to Emmaus. And I ask you to talk with them and connect with them. I ask you to step into their homes and pull on them. Some of them are struggling. And you let them know, hey, you can still pray. Some of them sinned, oh God, let them know you still have a place. And invite them in. And God, build a special room with them. Your place with them where they pray and they connect with you. And they hear your voice. Talk to this people, God. Encourage them. And build them in relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. And we worship you. And can we just give him love? We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you all. And the bishop said, you're deployed. Tonight, I'd like to tell you, you're deployed. You're deployed to go out into a world. But first of all, pray. And never give up. But always pray. You ought to always pray, every situation, every moment. And I'm just looking for some of you to have some walks on the road to Emmaus. What's the matter? Oh, you don't know? Yeah, let, let, me, let me talk to you a little bit. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you again this Sunday.